Our good word today continues from 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, where Paul is talking about Satan attacking our faith. Now, I trust that you faithful listeners who have been following along in these studies are not uh, bored with these little detours that we take. It's a conviction of mine as a pastor and as a Bible teacher that we don't give people enough of the practical part of the Word of God. And my concern is uh, that 1 Thessalonians be a real help to your personal life and to your church. I trust that the Word of God will go to work in your life and through your life and enable you to be a greater blessing in your home and in your church and in your neighborhood and wherever you may work. We are now in our 38th study in 1 Thessalonians. It seems impossible, but there we are. And I want to continue now discussing the devices of the devil as he tries to hinder our faith. Now, don't forget where we are. 1 Thessalonians 3, 5, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter have tempted you and our labor be in vain. We've discovered through searching the word of God that there are at least four devices the devil uses to try to hinder the faith of the Christian. We live by faith. If once the devil can undermine our faith, he has ruined our Christian lives. His first device is lies. Satan comes with lies. He attacks the mind with lies. We found the illustration of this in Genesis chapter 3, where Satan came to Eve and said, Yea, hath God said. Now when the devil attacks your mind with lies, Your weapon is the inspired word of God. It is written. I recommend to you when some lie gets into your mind, don't water it, don't nurture it, don't cultivate it. Just turn to the word of God. This is why it's so important, Christian friend, that you memorize the Bible. Memorize the word of God. Let it get into your heart. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. You adults in our Sunday schools and churches, you think that Bible memory work is good for primaries and beginners and juniors, but not adults. Quite frankly, we adults need more of the Word of God than these children do because we face more than they do. The inspired Word of God. Then in Job chapters 1 and 2, we discovered Satan with another tactic. He uses circumstances, suffering, to attack the body. And our only weapon here is the imparted grace of God. My grace is sufficient for thee, says God to the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I trust you've learned how to experience the grace of God. Do you live by grace? You see, to live by law means that I have to do something to please God. But to live by grace means that God works in me and through me to please him. Do you depend upon the grace of God? In the morning, the first thing when you wake up, turn yourself over to God and his grace. Now, you don't know what circumstances are going to come. Even today, you don't know. I don't know. I don't know what the future holds, says the songwriter, but I know who holds the future. And when our lives are in his hands, even though Satan may attack the body, we have the imparted grace of God to sustain us. Now, the third example we're going to look at of Satan's devices is in 1 Chronicles chapter 21. 1 Chronicles chapter 21. It's one of the forgotten stories in the life of David. Now, David was the king, and David in his pride asked to have the people 
numbered. He took a census. Now, if you'll read 2 Samuel chapter 24, which is the parallel chapter, and we can't take time in these studies to go into all the details, but if you'll read 1 Chronicles 21 and 2 Samuel 24, you'll discover Satan provoked David to number the people. Is there anything wrong with taking a census? No. In fact, every, every, every once in a while, the Jews were supposed to take a census of all the men, 21 years of age and over, and require of them the uh, temple tax for the sanctuary. And there's nothing wrong with this at all. But you see, David's motive was wrong. David had just won a great many battles. David was feeling his oats, as people used to say. And consequently, David was proud. So here is Satan's third target. When he attacked Eve, his target was her mind. His weapon was lies. When he attacked Job, his target was the body. His weapon, circumstances. When he attacked David, his target was the will. And his weapon, pride. Now, when you read this passage, Satan stood up against Israel and provoked David to number Israel. And so David called in his chief officer, Joab, and he said, You number them. And Joab said, No, I won't do it. The Lord make his people a hundred times so many more as they be. But my Lord the king, are they not all my Lord's servants? Why then doth my Lord require this thing? Why will he be a cause of trespass to Israel? David prevailed against Joab. He said, look, I'm the king. I want you to take a census. And he took as long as he could to do it. God gave to David a long time, nearly 10 months, to repent of this thing, and he didn't do it. Pride. Now, pride is a sin of the will. I've watched this in children. You say to your son, now, pick up your clothes off the floor. I will not. That's pride. You see, David did not commit this sin because he was deceived. His mind was clear. He knew he was doing wrong. It wasn't because circumstances were uncomfortable. He was at a time of victory and tremendous prosperity. Why did David do it? Pride. It was a sin of the will. You know, you may have this problem. Occasionally, I have this problem. I just go ahead and want to do something that I know is wrong. Paul talks about this over in Romans chapter 7. He said that the good that I would do, I do not, and the evil that I don't want to do, I do. He was having a tremendous problem with sin in his life. There dwelleth in me no good thing. For the good that I would, I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. In other words, we have a struggle in our lives, not with our minds being deceived or our bodies being attacked, we have a problem with our will. We sometimes get stubborn. We sometimes become proud. Now, Satan's great sin was pride. I will, I will, I will, Isaiah chapter 14. Uh, he was proud, and he wanted to be somebody great, and God had to cast him down. Now, David was attacked by Satan in the will. His mind was clear, but his will was stubborn, and this was sin. Now, his purpose... Satan's purpose was to make him independent of God's will. Can you remember these purposes so far? Satan attacked Eve in her mind to make her ignorant of God's will. Satan attacked Job in his body to make him impatient with God's will. But he attacked David in his will to make him independent of God's will. If Satan can get a man to be independent, he's ruined him. Now, whenever you find an independent person operating outside the will of God, you'll find somebody who's bound to fail. 
Abraham became independent of God's will and went down into Egypt, and he suffered for it. Jonah became independent of God's will and ran away from Nineveh, and he suffered for it. David became independent of God's will, and he numbered the people. And you know, it's a strange thing here. We talk about David's great sin with Bathsheba. Well, I read here that uh, some 70,000 people died because of David's sin. Now, when David sinned against Bathsheba, uh, her husband died and the baby died, and eventually Absalom died and Amnon died, four people. Because of David's sin of the flesh, adultery, four people died. Because of David's sin of the spirit, pride, in numbering the people, 70,000 people died. This explains to me why the Lord Jesus was very severe on proud people. He was very tender toward the adulteress in John chapter 8. He was so very tender toward that woman who washed his feet with her tears in the Gospel of Luke. But when he faced the Pharisees with their pride and their self-righteousness, He was hard on them, and he even called them a generation of vipers, children of the devil, because he's proud. Now, Satan wants to get you to be independent of God's will. He wants you to say, I know I'm doing wrong, but I'm going to do it anyway. A stubborn sin of the will. Now, dear people, God can overlook, in some respects, the ignorance of the mind. And God can overlook, in some respects, the impatience of the emotions But when it comes to the stubbornness of the will, this is one thing that God cannot overlook. God punishes this. Saul became stubborn, and God had to take him out of the way. Samson became stubborn and defiant in his life, and God had to take him out of the way. And God will take us out of the way unless we submit to him. Now, what is our weapon? What weapon do we use to fight the devil when he tries to control the will and get us to be independent of God's will. Our weapon is the indwelling Spirit of God. Can you remember the three weapons we've discussed? The inspired Word of God, the imparted grace of God, and now the indwelling Spirit of God. You see, only the Spirit of God dwelling within us can control our will. Let me read to you from Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. Philippians 2, 12 and 13. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Both to will and to do. Now, there are times when we do what God wants us to do, but not willingly. I think I may have told you about the little girl who was standing in the front seat of the car. And Daddy was driving down the highway, and he said, Now, sit down. And she said, No. He said, Sit down and put on your seatbelt. And she said, No. And he stopped the car and sat her down and spanked her and put the seatbelt on her and started off again. And as they drove down the highway, she said very quietly, I'm still standing up inside. I think we get like that. God says, Don't do that. Don't do that. And so we say, Okay, I won't do it but I'm going to do it down inside. Now, we can serve the the, the Lord unwillingly, but this will never bring a blessing. An unwilling servant is never a happy servant. 
the Holy Spirit of God wants to work in us both to will and to do, not just his will, but of his good pleasure. Now, anybody can do the will of God, but not everybody can please God. Sometimes my children do my will, but not in a way that pleases me. They just do it, carry out the garbage, wash the windows, uh, clean up the basement, but they don't do it willingly. They do it defiantly. God's not happy with this any more than I'm happy with it with my children. The indwelling Spirit of God wants to work in us to make us willing to do God's good pleasure. Now, how does the Holy Spirit of God work in us? Through his word. The Spirit of God takes the word of God and prayer, and as we spend time reading the word and praying and meditating and fellowshipping with the Lord, the Holy Spirit works in our lives. It's interesting now, we have discussed three areas of the Christian's life, the body, the mind, and the will. He attacked Eve's mind with lies. He attacked Job's body with suffering. He attacked David's will with pride. Body, mind, and will. Would you compare this, please, to Romans 12, 1 and 2? I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. There's all three, the body, the mind, and the will. Romans 12, 1 and 2, body, mind, and will surrendered to the Lord. You know, if you'll surrender these to the Lord every day, Satan will not be able to get through to have victory. The program is What's the Good Word? This is Pastor Warren Wearsby at the Calvary Baptist Church in Covington, Kentucky. I trust you'll tune in again next time to study God's good word with us.